All right, this week on the podium, one of our all-time favorite mechanics, one of the best guests in studio of the Pulp Show, all-around nice guy, Tony Berluti. What's up, Berlute? How you been? I've been good, man. Just uh, working my day job and doing this moto thing, and I'm looking forward to getting to do some riding this weekend. It's been over a month. Right on. I got a chance to ride last week. It was good seeing you at uh, the donations. Though. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Dude, I was that was one of the highlights of my uh, my trip up there is getting to hang out with you for a few minutes. <laughs> it was it was awesome racing though. Huh? I mean, it was a bummer we didn't win, but that was that was I really had a good time up there. I, I did too, man. That's what I've said uh, in our um, talks of about the race on the show and stuff. Is yeah, it, it was definitely a bummer we lost, but the experience was amazing. Watching the Euros ride was unreal. It just totally blew me away. Yeah, for sure. They were pretty amazing. I mean, it's funny how, like, you got the one guy, uh, Colden off it, really hadn't done nothing all year, and then he just totally raised, raised an occasion on that race, huh? He did. He did. I mean, you know, that seems to be the case every year. A couple guys just step up that maybe... Exactly. <laughs> but it's a huge deal, and unfortunately, uh, you know, our guys had their issues, and it is what it is, man. It's racing. It's competition. Somebody has to lose, and it, we we just we haven't we haven't been at our best, or we've had bad luck in the last few years. It just is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, they got beat. That's that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I feel for guys like JT who take it so serious, and it, it is a big deal. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's it's a race, and uh, you know, the fact is, we I don't think we're the best motocross race, racers in the world anymore. I just don't think we are. No, I, I agree. I agree with that for sure. We definitely uh, need to spend more time doing that discipline or get re- get more ready for it is what I'd say, you know. Yeah, I like, you know, Mathis has mentioned a couple times that like Zacho has said that he would go over there a few weeks ahead of time. And I think that really, unfortunately, is what it's going to take to not have that four or five weeks off that the year that the GP guys don't have and to go over there and acclimate themselves, get the bike set up. I mean, it's, it's, that's what it's going to take if you want to do it seriously. Yeah. We got to We got to do something different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming you don't agree though, that like Roger DeCoster is part of the problem. I don't No, I don't, I don't buy that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know where people come up with that or where they're what they're looking for, but no, I, I don't think so. I don't either. I mean, look, I don't know what all goes into his job. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's, but teaching those guys or show, you know, he he's not going out there and telling Justin Barsha, you know, you should have taken this corner different. You know, I mean, Justin Barsha knows what he's doing. I, I don't see how you could say that anything Roger would have done or anybody would have done would have changed what happened other than maybe the few little things like going to the line with a muddy tire or, you know, missing the, the inside gate that was open, I think in moto two or three, you know, but yeah, th- there's little minor yeah, things. That, that, that was weird. I, I, you know, I just recently heard about that. That was kind of unacceptable. I mean, I don't know who was to blame for that, but I mean, you know, Roger's a guy that knows all the Europeans. He has all the connections. That he he um, has things that people don't even know about. When it comes to the European thing, I mean, he's well respected over there still, and yeah. you know, he knows the the ins and outs of that whole format. And you know, I mean, so it's not just him telling the rider like he said how to ride or whatever, or 
or tell Team Honda or well, let's say Team Yamaha that was supporting Barsha, you know, how to set the bike up or whatever. They let those guys do that. Yeah. Roger lets those guys do that. I mean, he might make suggestions along the way, but the biggest thing is when we go to Europe, Roger knows the country. You know, he knows a lot of things that can help out the riders and the team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and yeah, I, I think people are just looking for excuses. And, of course, us in the media and the fans, we all just – we have to – everybody has to voice their opinion in this day and age and – <laughs> it, it turns into this big, you know, ordeal, which, you know, I mean, I can sit there and say, well, Barsha should have done this or Eli should have done this, but I, I couldn't have done it. So, you know, those guys are, they're doing the best they can. And, and yeah, like, like we said, it is what it is, you know, next year, exactly. next year at Aston's probably going to be even worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, we got guys that can ride in the sand. It's, it's a three man team. If we get That's certain our three best guys, you know, we have, I still think we have as good as a shot as anybody, even though it's an ass. And, of course, Perlings is going to go very well there. And, you know, um, Caroli's very good in the sand. I mean, those guys I know live in the sand, so they're typically probably a little bit better in the sand. But mm-hmm. if you reset our best three guys and give them and let them practice and, you know, just get acclimated over there, they'll, I think our guys have got as good as a chance, you know. Yeah, well, I, I, and that makes me feel better. I like you saying that because, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of down on it for next year, and that's probably I'm being influenced by listening to Mathis's opinion of us getting our butts <laughs> kicked, and, and it kind of scares me because we usually don't do very well. Like at Loma, we didn't do well at all, and, you know, this, we just – but, yeah, maybe – I hope you're right. I hope we go over there and, and at least get a podium. I could be wet behind the ears, but our guys – if we send our guys and. They ride their best that day. I think we have a shot. I mean, because like I said, it's a three-man team. Like, yeah. I was surprised. I was quite well. Koldenhoff definitely stepped up, and then um, the guy from South Africa, he rode really and well, even though he messed his eye up or whatever. Yeah. That guy rode good all year long, you know, in the GPs. He won a GP over there. So I mean, those guys had a really solid team. But um, who knows what their team's going to be next year, and who knows what team you know, whatever, whoever the Belgium's got. I mean, right. so we know we got quality riders. We just got to send the best, three best guys, and, and hopefully we have, a, you know, a good day. And that's, anyway, that's how I feel about that, <laughs> for sure. You know? Well, let's get into this top three. So I, I wanted to ask you who your top three racers to watch all time are, you know, whether it be 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, currently, whatever. Who are the three guys that you enjoyed throughout your career watching the most? Okay, well, I would have to say the three guys would be Bob Hanna in the in my earlier days when I kind of was very influenced by the way he rode and he rode and so his uh he was very entertaining to watch and then uh I would have to say J M B, um, John Michelle Bell, and then Ricky. Those are my three favorite guys to watch. Okay, and give me give me reasons why. Like what what did you like about Hanna's style? So Hannah was amazing. I mean, I remember quite a few races. Unfortunately, a lot of people probably didn't get the pleasure of watching this guy, but he was so entertaining. Um, he's the kind of guy that would get a bad start, and it didn't. He would just get to the front with what it, you know, whatever it took. He was hanging off the bike. There are times he would fall. I was at this one Supercross. It was up in Oakland Coliseum in I think '79, and. He, I don't know if he got a bad start or what, but he was always coming from the behind. He fell two or three times, but just kept coming up through the pack and uh, hanging off the bike. And, you know, the, 
and he'd fall and hold the clutch in and maybe lose one position and get the next guy back. So he was very fun to watch that way. And he, you know, Hannah was brash and you yeah. know, he let it out all the time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely has that. He was that cocky guy, man. And, and, you know, if, if nothing else, he knew he was the best in his mind. So yeah. And he was, he was gonna kind of like Ricky. It reminds me, you know, like he, he was just going to die trying to win if that's what it took. Same kind of deal. They both kind of have like this terrier, you know, mentality, you know, where, you know, they're going to bite you, you know, they're going right. to bite you to death. I mean, they're going <laughs> to do whatever it takes to, to do it. I mean, you know, so, so Hannah and him were both very much like that. And, but, uh, yeah, but I'm sure that a lot of people would agree that back in that era, and you know that Hannah was the funnest to watch for sure. He had the most fans, and he was he was quite something. He was a very colorful guy. Yeah, and then like with JMB, that was really when I first kind of started getting into Supercross. My first Supercross was um, I think '91, maybe '90. But JMB, like I, I kind of remember him coming in around that time a little bit later, and. I didn't know much about the sport, really. I was just learning to kind of race motocross a little bit. But what I remember is him being super smooth and precise, but also really, really disliked by the American fans. <laughs> well, especially when he started beating them, and he won you know, all three championships that one year. <laughs> yeah. But if, if you really knew me, he, he really – I had a chance to spend some time with him. And uh, with Tortelli, one time we went over there – Tortelli, Ricky Johnson, and myself, uh, because um, Ricky was working with Tortelli as a coach, and then I was his mechanic at the time. So we got to go over and hang out with JMB and and just go trail riding with him and just had a blast. So, and there's a couple of other incidents instances where I was able to hang out with him. But what it was about him was it'd be funny. Um, we'd be watching practice, and then I'd come in and talk to my buddies or whatever, you know, my teammates, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, where where was J and B? And they go, he was out there. And then I go, what? He but he was so smooth, you never even noticed him. He was that <laughs> kind of guy that wasn't hanging off the bike, but he was so precise, as like you said, and so I mean to watch this guy ride, you just were in awe, you know. So um, so then you go and look at the the lap the lap charts, and he's you know on the top of the lap charts, and you know I didn't even know that he was out there because he was so smooth, you didn't even notice him. That's funny. Yeah, I I wish he had gotten more of his respect in that time period. You know, I, I've talked to Marvin about this, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think Marvin's fairly lucky that the Americans have come around a little bit, where they, they show a lot more respect to these guys. You know, if you know, I, I know they kind of chewed him out a little bit, or they they kind of went off on him when he T boned Eli. But I I think. The way we are now, we're a little bit more accepting of the the other guy. You know, Roxon coming over and JMB unfortunately missed that. You know, he didn't. He didn't. I think. I wonder if his career would have been longer here had he not been so kind of hated almost. I think it probably. I think I, I believe that he probably would have been here a couple more years, but he probably didn't like that. And, and you're right. He did not deserve that because he wasn't. I mean, that was the fans that did it, but the people in the industry that kind of knew him or whatever, I mean, sure, if you're his teammate, you didn't like him, like Stanton or, you know, Ricky Johnson or whatever, because, you know, at the time he was kicking their butts. Right. He was doing it, he was doing it, um, and, you know, eating Snickers bars. And I don't know that as a fact, but that's, you know, rumors have it. Yeah. You know, he could be eating a Twitch bar and then just, you know, and then these guys are training their ass off and they just can't, you know, 
to understand how he's out there kicking their ass on you know, on the weekend. But, it's um, funny though. I mean, to me, now it's funny to me. You know, that yeah. that kind of reminds me of like what you know with Roxon. You know, kind of he he like what well, I think wasn't a couple years ago he opened a beer afterward after a race or something like that, and you know he's just. You know, he's kind of, yeah. he's getting in their heads a little bit. Like, I don't have to train like that. We know he trains hard, but it's just, it's kind of mind games. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure JMB did that. I mean, <laughs> but I think the industry people, for the most part, accepted, accepted him. I, I know people that I was around at Suzuki, we, we only wish we could have had him as a rider <laughs> right. on the team or whatever, you know? So, yeah, he was amazing. Yeah. I, I never had a chance to meet him, but, uh, yeah, I, Hopefully one day maybe I'll I'll come across a, an event where he'll be and I'd be I'd really like to talk to him. You probably will. He comes over to the U.S. and he's he seems well accepted now more so now. I mean people love him. I mean he's yeah. he's, he's very well. Accepted. He's kind of quiet. He's an introvert. He's not really brash or nothing like that. But um, like I said, he didn't deserve what he got as far as you know what the crowds. But they were just they were bummed because the Americans were getting their ass handed by this guy. You know right. that's, that's what and then and then. I think with Marvin, as you mentioned, I believe that up until that you know point where he had that run with uh, Tomac last year, and and I think everybody admits that that they would have done the same move, you know, and yeah. including Tomac probably. But um, the fans just see it, and it's they just you know they're Americans. Yeah, you know, they red, white, and blue, and it's some guy all of a sudden that's from somewhere else comes over and does that, then all of a sudden it's easy for them to turn on him. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we talked about. Because I, I told Marvin, I said, you know, damn good and well, had the roles been reversed, the crowd would have erupted with cheers. Sure, exactly. And, exactly. and that's yeah. not fair to Marvin, you know, and then you got guys, you know, at, well, I think it was Millville or maybe Muddy Creek, like flipping them off. And, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. It, it, that kind of stuff bums me out. But it's just, it, people are what they are. <laughs> yeah, hillbillies. I mean, they. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and you know what? They got a right to do it. It's our country. They can do sure. it. But I, I, it's not. It's not cool. You know, I, I agree with you. And and that's hard on one of these. You know, hard on a, a you know European. You know, whether it be you know French, Italian, whatever guy that comes over here and they're not getting the respect, and then you know they get booze. I mean, I mean Marvin last year after that guy got booed everywhere at every at the remain remaining supercrosses you know yeah yeah he did and, and i you yeah. know I, I asked him how that affected him and you know i mean you know he said it was kind of a bummer but you know, he, he was surprised because he was so loved you know he had so many fans so that was a kind of a surprise to him but i think you know having matil and having that back that um that backbone or whatever you know having that support system probably helps him out a lot which i don't know that jmb had that he had his gal over here okay he did yeah, but, um, you know, I mean, I think Marvin, I mean, if you compare the two, Marvin might be, you know, maybe thicker skin. I don't know maybe. how you would quite say it. But um, but JMB also wanted to pursue road racing. Yeah. He wanted to do different things, too. So I think it, it just gave him reason to go do something different, you know. But um, So that's what that kind of thing happened with JMB. But um, I, I commend these guys. It doesn't mean that I want them to win, but I commend them. And, and when you got the, the French guys are just amazing. They amaze me all the time by how talented they are. And I don't know what they what they eat over there, what's in the water, but, you know, pretty amazing. Croissants. <laughs> Croissants, yeah. yeah. Well, Berluti, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time tonight, coming on, doing the podium with me. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And 
I, uh, I'm hoping you're going to be at A1, huh? Yeah, I'll probably be there. But uh, we didn't talk about my third guy, um, oh. RC, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's... So anyway, no, just RC, I mean, he, um, talk about a carrier or whatever. I mean, he was the hardest, he was the hardest on his crew, you know, until the race started. I mean, he, he, uh, he was, he demanded excellence and he wanted everything perfect, you know, but once he knew he got it the best he could, you know, and the gate dropped, he had one thing in mind and that was to go to the front or to, to win. You oh know? yeah. And you, we saw that with like moments like when he almost killed himself with the boat, I think in Dallas it was, if I'm not mistaken, Oh my and, God. you know, yeah, he like, was. yeah. And, and I've heard that he was kind of hard to deal with sometimes. And, and I've heard the same thing about Chad Reed that, you know, he's a perfectionist and he, uh, he expects perfection. And, and as you know, I wonder how goose, I'm sure, you know, you've probably talked to goose numerous times. Like, I wonder how that, affects him during the week, you know? <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Well, I think it sounds like Reedy was probably a little bit more temperamental than, than, than even R.C., but R.C., I mean, especially when we are kind of developing our 450 when it first came out, I mean, it wasn't the best thing, but I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have known it when he was on it because that guy, come race time, like I said, he would, he would say, it's doing this, it's doing that, and we'd work on it, we'd work on it, we'd work on it until we got it the best we could for him, but mm-hmm. then once he lined up that first moto and that gate dropped, it, it, he forgot all about that stuff, and he just, you know, took it to the front, you know? I mean, Bubba could hang with him for 20 minutes, but it was the last 10 that all of a sudden Ricky would just check out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, he was amazing, that's for sure. It's He's somebody that I've actually never, I've never talked to him, like never said a word to him. I haven't met him yet, so hopefully we'll we'll change that this year, too. Oh, you, you gotta get out and meet those guys. Hey, I, I try, man. I just, I've only seen Ricky in a few instances and it's always been like he was doing an interview or something. And, you know, I mean, like at Mimics of Nations, I got to actually finally meet McGrath other than when I was a teenager and talk to him and he's coming on, awesome. he's coming awesome. on show 100. So we're really stoked about that, but I'll, I'll oh, meet Ricky awesome. at some point. It's just, I don't have, some of these guys I don't have any connections with. Like I don't have any way to track them down you know I'm, I'm working on that yeah well as your show progresses and 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 the name gets out there more i know rc i mean he's approachable i mean he's he is, seems to be busy a lot and even with myself by running into this it's a quick hire or whatever right and he is approachable he's he's not like he's not that he's not approachable so you, you'll be able to meet him yeah i'm sure so we'll out with him, talk to him and do an interview or something i'm sure we'll make it happen this in 2019 because we're we're gonna probably be at about half the supercrosses this year so oh, that, good for you. yeah that's big for us so we'll we'll find a way to make it happen good deal good deal Darcy. all right berluti thank you man and again great great show last night with mathis um i hey, don't that was fun. yeah i don't yeah. know when i'm going to actually post this i post them on thursday so this may be it may get posted two months from now but for those that are listening it got recorded the night after you were on pulp show and uh man i, I always love it when you're in, in studio Cool deal. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dark Side. All right, buddy. Well, um, yeah, hope to see you at A1, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, if your plans are to go there, I'll look, I'll look you up. Definitely. Oh, and, and I, booked my, yeah. I booked my flight today for the Vegas finals, so I'll, I'll be uh, in Vegas come for the finals, so we'll definitely have to get together. For sure. We'll have to go get a cold beer. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, Berluti. <laughs> okay, Dark Side. See you, Thank bud. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.